This is Tancred, and you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio? How exactly does that work? Someone get Fernholz in here. I need him to explain this to me. I need to know the law behind this. This is Fern Hall. You spoony bard. And you're listening to Aetherite Radio. Please look forward to it. Hello and welcome to Lorecast from Aetherite Radio. I'm Fusion X and joining me today we have the one and only Anonymous. How's it going? And a very special episode today. We are also joined by uh, Michael Christopher Koji Fox. Hey, I'm here. It's Boston. Chowder. Is that... That I'm, sounds more of like a Schwarzenegger, I think. Chowder. Get to the chowder. <laughs> no. Yes. Chowder oh, is good. Man. I'm going to have to figure out a way to get Gotta chowder. Get, get some chowder in at some and point. Chowder and lobster rolls. That's like the food of the room, gods. Room service? Is that a... Just have them oh, like... Oh, man. No, I'm not. I don't pay, they don't pay me enough for room service. There you I go. I have to, you know, just find like a half one that's in a garbage can in front of the, there you go. the convention center. But it was good. Even that was good. So <laughs> I got to figure out how to convince the item team to get there you go. lobster rolls. I mean, maybe with... Mag- garnish garnish them with some peaches and... Oh, peaches. <laughs> peaches. Hey. We're going to have peaches. We've got to have peaches. Peaches confirmed. Peaches confirmed. <laughs> the code right. is very complex, but 4.0. Yeah, 4.0. System-wise, <laughs> we can do it. We're going to start working on it now. And the system is made to where we can include peaches. <laughs> we can do so peaches. We'll be good. Um, so we have a whole bunch of questions. We're just going to go ahead and get right through it. And if you guys haven't uh, listened to it or seen it already, there's that panel uh, from earlier today from Paxis. Make sure to check that out. So we'll go ahead and just get right into it here. All right. So... Uh, since last time we've talked, we've seen Otisan out more and more. Uh, is he enjoying his interaction with the JP base? And might that lead to some involvement with the fan festival either here, there, or here with you? Um, yeah, I asked him about this and he just had this scowl on his face and you know, I was like, ah. I was like I, he doesn't like speaking in public. He's not a public speaker, um, but he did say that he really enjoys interacting with the fans. Um, that, you know, through Final Fantasy XIV, this is actually the first time he's got to interact with, um, you know, the people that actually, you know, produce the, the, the work that he does and, you know, seeing their reactions, having them come up to him and ask questions and ask him for, you know, signatures. And it's been really, really cool. And he enjoys that. But it's like, but if I, you know, I never had to do it again, I'd never do it again. Because, <laughs> um, as for you know, whether he's going to be coming to Fan Festival, um, whether it be in America or in Japan, um, it's pretty much up to the, the team. And he's like, well, if they tell me to go, I, I have to go. But yeah, I don't know if, they, if it would be awesome if I could do a panel with him in America. That would be the coolest yeah. thing. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's again. It's up to Yoshi P. So if if people on the forums are like, we want to see all this on, oh my god, give us that. There'll be all these like really that. weird threads. It's like, okay, we want bunny costumes, peaches, Otosan. <laughs> Otosan. <laughs> then you just have to you know force Yoshi P in a corner where he, you know, had to decide. Um, but I I would think that they you know we'd be seeing more of them in Japan. Um, it used to be that again, lore was pretty much a North American thing. The North American fans and the European fans were really into it, and the Japanese fans weren't too much into it. But again, now because of how big lore has come become mm-hmm. on the, you know, the North American forums, and they've seen like how I write these really long you know replies, and now there's people wait wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute we like lore too, and so now uh, there's more a lot more interest in Japan for lore so. Revenge for five years of Famitsu. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So, so far, 
Uh, we've seen three enemies that have the surname Prime. Yeah. Um, Bahamut, Atomos, and Asian. Does Prime have a standardized meaning, or does that tell us the nature of what we're fighting, um, or is it a different use in each one? Because, I mean, even especially in turn 13, the nature of the battle in the Crystal Heart was kind of vague. Okay, this is not a cool answer. This is Prime. It has a meaning, and the meaning is Prime. So basically, this is just, it's just simple. Um, there's no connection between any of them. It's just, it's the first and foremost of that group. And so if you say it's in your Ashian Prime, what you're looking at is Ashian Prime. Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. I think all, you have another question about Ashian. They're, they're, they're all related to Optimus. Yeah, yeah. I, I, can, I, can, I can see And I can add that. Yeah. So speaking of Ashian Prime, uh, in Heaven's Word, we saw the return of the long-lost Reaper model. Uh, was this just a throwback, or does it provide some context into what that actually was? Okay, this is kind of a uh, kind of a two-part question. Um, the reason uh, why we couldn't use that old model it kind of ties into um, China. In China, mm-hmm. they, the government has very strict rules um, on certain designs, bones and skeletons being one of those. Um, they have, I think, um, you know, where in America and in Japan and in Europe, you know, there's things like mature content, like sexual content, or they have something in China that's called fear. And one of those things is bones. And bones are not allowed um, in games. Um, so we had this awesome ASEAN, but it's just like bones. And when we decided that we were going to make the Chinese version, they're like, Chinese version, we can't enhance bones. And so. Um, that kind of made it so we couldn't use that, that model anymore. But we decided, okay, but it's still pretty awesome the way we have it. Let's tweak it. And so if you look at the model that we have in uh, ARR now, um, it's a little bit different. The, the bones have been changed a little bit. That they're now like kind of accessories on the sides. Um, it's not, and pretty much we cleared the regulations. Uh, so that's how we did that. Now, why did that model come up again? Um, Ashen Prime. These Ashens can take the form of other beings, and that's how they trick them. If you look at the old 1.0 stories, you have Shravanche. Yeah, um, he his true form is closer to that of the Ashen Prime, um, but he takes on this form so he can trick everybody. Um, it's the same thing here um, when you see like Lahabrea. Oh, that seeing, suddenly makes more sense. You're seeing a the form that he wants you to see so it's easier for him to communicate without you freaking out because there's this giant <laughs> skeleton. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then once, basically, the, you know, the warrior of light, I, he knows what you guys look like now, and so there's no reason to use um, that form anymore for you know, some of them, and that's why we get the Ashen Prime there. So pretty much it's, it's the same thing. It's just one of their truer forms. One of their truer forms. Actually explains why they're all here. Yeah. We never get to hear that question again. Ah, oh. it's, it's a little bit of what they really look like, the robes. Yeah. You know, and a little bit of what you might expect if you lived in this world, which everything is here in the background. What do you, what would China do in this situation with like the whites, like the skeletons? Do they just pull them out of the game entirely? Like that um, those they, re- they remodel some stuff. Some of the stuff they remove. Um, I, I mean, remove in the sense that it's models are, are updated. 
Um, but again, because a lot of that takes work because you're creating extra models and you're also like changing experiences, they don't want to. They don't want to do that a lot. Yeah. So a lot so of it's times to we try just to make one model design fits, it, knowing that knowing right, it's that. gonna. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, back in 1.0, I mean, they they still kind of didn't know what they were gonna do, and so they had these models, and then once China comes into the picture, it's like, oh no, we can't use this, and it was mm. um, a lot of navigating and getting things to work. Right. Now it's all worked out, and you know we know. Because again, Yoshi P always they, they plan two years in advance. That's his thing. He has his roadmap for two years in advance, and so now we know that okay, we're not just making it for Japan. Um, you know, North America, France, Germany, you know, Europe. We're also making yeah. it for these regions as well. So let's do something that you know. All right. Um, Ramu seems to have access to information that predates him and seemingly accurate information, given what we learned in three point two. Yeah. Uh, how does he even know about a time when light and darkness were one? Okay, um, there is a definite reason. It's because his um, beard is as old as... Oh, it's... Well, yeah. <laughs> the beard lives on and just grows a new person on it every couple thousand years. No, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> don't quote me on that. Don't, don't just clip that. So it's like, oh, his beard just grows a new person. And it's true. Yeah. It's a giant person. Now, um, there, is, there is a reason for this, um, but this is... Uh, one that uh, that Oda-san was like, okay, um, I don't want to go into detail on it because we're going to be going into detail on it very please soon. Look forward mm -hmm. to um, it. It's one of those please look forward to it once. Um, yeah, Ramu is a very intelligent person. He has lots of knowledge and he knows things and we're going to find out why he knows those things soon. Cool. Right now I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the urge to make like a webcomic where the beard is like the Zantetsuken of, of him. <laughs> like, you beat him and the beard just latches onto someone else. Like the thing in Alien, just like. Yeah. And you just, you're just stuck with that beard for the next thousand years. Okay, uh, in the Holy Vault, we saw a few new models of Delahan and, and Votoriga, which are both void sent. Yeah. Uh, the the Votoriga were even weirder because they show back up in Amdeport later. They're the light ones and they, they heal a golem which is strange, but uh, are we saying that the church consorts with void scent, or did they just carve golems that look like void scent? Okay, um, Olathan said that, look closer because they're not Dulahan, they're actually, they are, they're, they're yes. a little bit different, yep. and they're the knights. So it, it's just kind of coincidence that they look the same, but again, the Dulahan also, they appear to be knights because they're using that, you know, because the boys said have used that body, so that's why you they, there's a you know uh, a similarity there. But um, the knights, the, those statues are basically statues of knights that existed in the past in in Ishgard, um, and then they cast magic on these statues. So there's magic involved to bring those statues not to life. I would say animate them because there's really no life there. Um, as for the other um, void-like beings that you see, like the like the you know Voderiga, etc., is that um, you can look at these kind of like as gargoyles in, as in not gargoyles in fourteen, but more gargoyles like on Earth. Church. Yeah, on yeah. like a church. Like basically, void scent um, have been around. That the void has always existed with you know in on this other plane while Eros has existed and while um, you know. Uh, certain calamities will rip open these uh, these tears in the void where more void scent can come in. Most of the time it's closed, but because, again, there's been times in the past where there have been rents, things will come out, and again, mm -hmm. people not knowing what those things are will see them, and it will be one of those things like, oh, this frightening thing, and then they just think, oh, well, there's these frightening things from their mythology, let's create something like that, put it on our churches. Um, and so, basically, 
these things that people connected with um, the church hundreds, thousands of years in the past. Um, you know, when they think of evil, they think of these things that happen to be these void scent. They carve these effigies in that image, put them on their churches to, you know, scare people. And, and so, no, the church does not have these, con you know, these contracts with the void scent. They do not consort with the void scent. It's just, you know, that's, those are the two things. More, more interesting backstory problems for my bestiary, though. <laughs> that, just, that just got more complicated. Man, I gotta split that whole genus. Oh no. Okay, so speaking of Void Scent, everyone on your team seems to have one as their avatar. What made you choose the Aramon? Um, this is uh, kind of, I mean, when you think about my, my team, the localization team, um, uh, we're all from places around the world. Um, we are not from Japan. We're not from the planet, the world, the realm where the game is being created. We are from a different realm. We came through this portal, um, <laughs> plane. I don't think anybody came by boat. Um, and we arrived um, in this new land and we were kind of, you know, taking on these forms of people that kind of speak the same language as the people of that realm, but we're actually quite different. And um, that's what's pretty much what's kind of behind it. We, it's not like we feel like we're outcasts or anything like that, but it kind of was a cool thing that, you know, um, we're from this different realm. And so we decided, I decided, that's the reason I decided to choose a void scent. And it basically told everyone else, you guys got to choose void scents too. <laughs> <laughs> so in that case, you wouldn't say Odasan has one or does he? Odasan does not have, I even oh. asked him, I was surprised. I thought he had um, an account and I thought he was replying. And he's like, no, I don't like, being in front of people, so he basically, if there's any if there's ever a question for him, um, he will write up the answer, send it to a CNS, and have one of the CNS reps wow. post it under that name because it's like, oh, the son says this rather than oh, the son saying it himself. Um, it's just the way he is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, ah, here we go. Uh, east of Alamigo, there's a land bridge, and it leads into what has been identified in the past as quote Garlean territory. Yeah. Um, we've heard of what the other continents are, but it's always in vague terms. This one's in the north, this one's in the east. Um, because of that, some have interpreted the land bridge as leading into Ilzebard, mm -hmm. which goes a little north and connects to Othard way further east, while others have interpreted it as Othard itself connecting to Ilzebard north of that. Can we clear that up? Okay. First off, I'm going to clear up your pronunciation of Othard. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a softer. It's, okay. it's Othard. 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 Got it. But yeah. Um, Othard, eh, it's close. We, I don't think we've ever said it anywhere. So. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I was, and I was mentioned this earlier. We were talking about uh, Zaymail. Because uh -huh. when we talked to you, we did that pronunciation Zemel. thing, and you said Zaymail, but in Heaven's Word and all the VA stuff, it's Zamail. Oh, that's wrong. <laughs> that is wrong. I need to go and burn somebody. Whoever went, I know his name. And I'm going to find him. It's Zaymails. It's always supposed to be Zaymails. It's now supposed that, to be Zamail. Now oh, that you my. say it how it's supposed to be said, I'm remembering. Um, when Gaius first lands yeah. in Vilbron, the guy says he's from Othard. And I remember that sticking in my memory because in the other language he says he's from Rabinaster. Because guess where Rabinaster Rabin is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that blew my mind when I found it, that um, the deserter in Lanosea. There's, a, there's also a part in the game where in the Japanese version, they kind of mess it, mention a down mass. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it's not in the English as well, but it's still there. Yeah. And maybe soon we'll be seeing. So, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> uh, moving on. So, but 
as for the question uh, of the you know where things are in relation to Eorzea, um yes, the, there is that kind of yeah up at the you know the northeastern corner. Um, it connects directly into uh, Ilsebard, and Ilsebard, uh, it does not you cannot get to Authard from that uh, from there without going through Ilsebard. So. Basically, you go up. It's a li it's connected. There is a land bridge there. It's not sea or anything. There's a land bridge, and it goes into Ilsebard. I'm doing this thing with my hands that no one can see. <laughs> These two guys can see it though. Yeah, and then it goes. goes and then the further there. east you go, then you're gonna finally arrive in Othard. That's, I mean, that's what I figured it was at first, but someone brought it up in the forums, and I was like, oh, geez, I, I don't know for sure. So I'm, like, going back and watching your last interview, and the same oh, exact thing, you've like, got the like hands this? up right here, and I'm like, oh, God, it could be. Like, <laughs> no, no. It all depends on where the camera is in relation Afterwards, to the hands. After I got, they got upset at me for saying, like, you shouldn't do that thing with your hands. Like, no one's gonna, no, they will, they will, they will. But my hands are kind of like, yeah. And then, and, here, and that's the guy right here. Yeah, meanwhile, <laughs> I'm sitting here frame by frame on YouTube. Like, yeah, it's definitely. Okay, so then the continent, the and then it curves around. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. more like, look, think of it as a big Lego and another Lego stuck onto it. Just it's not like that there's authored like this or like this. It's just, and just show them the post where I tried to translate the demon book. Like, they're gonna look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, mm, man. Book I finally are. found your second reference when you told me that no one had found the other one, the Cthulhu Photogen. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while, but we got it. All right, next question. Okay. Uh, when Louis Zoua was transformed into a primal, he had a vision of seeing the ethereal spire things that were yes. conjured from the prayer stones. What's happening there? Um, okay, basically Louis Soir is trying to not directly 100% summon um, the Twelve, but more summon their power. Um, understanding that summoning the Twelve would probably cause true chaos, and so not wanting to go that far, he wants to at least get enough power where he can harness that power and use it to, you know, uh, send Bahamut back. And so basically he is uh, gathering the energy from those Twelve Prayer Stones. Um, helped by you who are sitting there prayer, praying and which again feeds the, you know, because it's the, the power of prayer and belief that feeds that summoning process. Um, while Louis Soir is pretty much trying to keep it down so it's only the power not actually bringing up um, the, the 12. And uh, then he uses that, boom, hits Bahamut, but Bahamut basically, you know, shrugs that off and, but shrugging it off, again, the, the power doesn't dissipate. The power's still there, it's just shrugged off. And those remaining sh shards of power, he brings those back for one last push, which is... Right. Reborn. <laughs> Possible spoilers for people who haven't... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when, when last we spoke at E3, we talked a little bit about the, the library coming in. Yeah. Uh, Great Gubal. And you said that it was a foot in the door, but that it wasn't what we were expecting. Yeah. And now we know what you're talking about. It's a dungeon. Uh, so it's, it's a library, but it's not really a place that you can you know, go in and hang out. Mm -hmm. um, but does the phrase foot in the door imply that the use might be expanded someday? Um, there, are, there are reasons, system side reasons, um, why uh, you can't just have endless... Um, text in an instance dungeon. And that's kind of one of the reasons um, why we can't have a lot of stuff in there. Um, but again, it was something that 
Um, you know, we wanted a place where players, you know, could at least get a hint of what could have been type of thing. And then hopefully in the future, try to figure out system-wise how we can overcome that. Because again, that's what happens a lot of times. And, you know, you've heard the things about, okay, we can't have chocobos in dungeons, but then you hear Yoshi be like, yeah, but he wants it, so we got to figure out a way to do it. And they keep working and working. And, you know, hopefully after a certain amount of time, they figure out a way to, you know, bypass that and get that in the game. I'm thinking that's kind of the same thing here, is that they start off with this, and then hopefully someday we can figure out something where, you know, we can work it so we can get more of a, a type of, you know, an area where players don't always have to go just to fight, but then be able to get all this lore. Um, but as a Band-Aid, lore book. That was one of the concessions. It's like, okay, if we're not going to be able to do this, we need to do something. And we need to do something for everybody, not just for you know, people who can buy um, Famitsu or Dengue right. and see those awesome things that they always have. <laughs> <laughs> I would now love to have those as well, but... Mention in the lore book. We'll Just get gotta to that. make sure I'm not steamrolling <laughs> over there. One of the most important questions here. Oh, okay. This oh. is every every time we have one that we come up with just for fun, just to see uh -huh. what what could be said in that situation. And... Fusion got this one for us. Okay. Um, so how do orchestrian roles work? Um, I mean, like, you know, there's these songs that adventurers are hearing in the game. Do they hear the music during the fights, like, with the primals? Like, is somebody playing or singing it? Is, like, this minstrel stuff? I mean, because we have them in the orchestra now. Mm -hmm. So, like, the players can hear them, the characters can hear them. How do they exist in the world? Well, I mean, you know, okay, you know how they work, as in technically how they work. It's kind of like the player piano. That's why we call it a role. Sure. You know, you've got the, the parts it's got the holes punched in it. You put it into your orchestra and it plays the song based off of you know where it's clicking the um, you know, hitting those holes. Uh, that's how it works technically. So how does it work within the game? Are we hearing? No, you're not hearing it during battles. It's not some you know special portion of the echo where you can hear music while you're playing. You know, only the the people that have been blessed by Highland. No, that's not it. You're not hearing any of that. Basically, these songs um, are all at least lore-wise. Um, there is. There are bards, and there are minstrels, and there is a wandering composer who exists in the game, who basically, they hear, he hears the stories um, from adventures of all these grand battles, and these grand places, and these, you know, places in the mountains, places near the sea, these deep dungeons, these grand battles, and he takes those stories, and he composes music um, for them, and that music that he thinks up is the music that is on the orchestrion role. Um, so, yeah. And it, it just happens to find its way in a treasure chest, you know, deep in the navel. And... Yeah, a lot of people like music in Eorzea. You know? <laughs> and some people, you know, don't have a place to put their orchestra and roll. So it's like, I'll just put it in this chest here and it'll be go. safe. And then the adventure comes along and steals it. And then when they come, <laughs> oh, where's my orchestra and roll? <laughs> I tilled fields for three seasons to get <laughs> enough coin to buy that. So. I smashed rocks for so long <laughs> to get. <laughs> that's, that's, what that is. that's what I joke about every time the armor is moved around. Like, how does dark light end up in this dungeon? I'm like, because they bought it from Rowena and then they went there and they died. And they died. died. <laughs> and then, yeah, some monster came along and said, like, these adventurers leaving crap all over my dungeon. I'm going to put, put them in a nice new little box, <laughs> clean up a little bit. Clean up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now we're free to talk a little bit about. Yeah, let's get into the lore book. This was I was I was I was so 
so excited when this was announced. And a lot of that, I think, comes from, you know, the, the background of doing 11 and stuff. And there's been a lot of 11 stuff published. And, and yep. it's like, hey, lore book. And it's going to be in English. And it'll be in a language I can read. And it'll be great. Um, I, I know. I was there for all of those 11 books as well. <laughs> seeing them all kind of go by. Yeah, and come and people are like, why don't you translate that? It's like, we have to translate the game. And, yeah, uh, and publishing. And, and eat lunch. And, and, yeah. <laughs> um, so the first one, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, how big do you think it's going to be? Do you have like a, a set number of pages in mind yet? Uh, we do. Um, and we've already started working on it, but we had a set number of pages. Uh, we knew how long we were going to have to work on it. Um, and we knew how much I could translate in a day, how much Oldasan could write in a day. And so we kind of based it off that and uh, went back from there. It's like, okay, if we have to have it done by here for editing and done by here for printing, this is how much we can do. Um, I'm going to say a little bit over 300 pages. Wow. Cool. Yeah. We're going to have a lot. And they're not going to be like, you know, 10 words on a page and just a big picture. Right. It's, it's a lot of text. This is, this is what the, the, the hunt scroll says, and we'll just have one <laughs> giant page. And it's, and, you know, it's, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of new stuff too. So um, it will be good. It'll be thick. Um, we've, we, I just chose the font too. And it's an awesome font. <laughs> it's an awesome font. Is it is it serif or sans serif? It's Comic Sans. <laughs> I think you guys have maybe heard of it. Um, oh, it's man. the it's the most comical <laughs> of all sans. <laughs> no, it's a, it's oh. a, actually it's a it's um, a font that's very similar to. I just I'm gonna. It's not bragging, but I I, <laughs> I just turned forty last year, and I had to buy myself a midlife crisis present. And so I treated myself. I think I've seen the book. I've seen that, yeah. I I bought a book. I bought a very old book. A book that I even hinted on in one of, I think it was a a developer's blog from a long time ago when I had a picture of my desk. I had a printout copy of, I think, the top page of it on top of my desk and took the picture. And I think one person commented, I wonder what book that is. Um, It is a, it is a, a, the first English translation of Pliny's History of the World. Um, it was first translated back in 1601. And then in 1634, they did a second edition where back then it wasn't like you didn't have like editors and stuff. The guy basically just was told for 30 years about all of the things he got wrong. And he made a list of them. And so he got the old book and wrote in the corners on the same pages that oh this is oh. this is what should this is what it should have been and then that became the second edition and so you have this awesome piece of work that's actually been edited by the author 30 years later and it's the first ever english translation of this latin piece and it kind of you know it, i used that originally to get the inspiration to write all of the old english um the bestiary bestiary uh things that I did for 1.0. I think um, some people will remember them. They yeah, were written in the very the old. When I started making the chart rhyme Yeah, and uh, I wrote uh, a bunch of those and I used that as inspiration. And I, I from that point I was thinking, oh, it'd be so cool to have something like that. And then I check how much it costs. I'm like, <laughs> and, but then I turned 40 and like, 
screw it, I'm going to buy this. There you go. And, and I did. And the font that's used in there, it's similar to that one. So it's a very, oh, very nice. it's one of those very old fonts from, you know, the 16, 1700s Victorian times awesome. in that type of style. And I was like, we've got to use this for the lore book. That's cool. And so I'm, we're trying to figure out if we can find one where we can use it license-wise sure. without having to pay too much. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, we have our budget. <laughs> um, but it would be, it's, I think we're going to get something like that. It's going to look so awesome. Very cool. And the way the design they've done it, they're... I mean, it's not just going to be text, picture. It's going to be beautifully designed and stuff. Oh, man. Oh, man. I wish I could show you. (laughs) Like, every time someone asks me about the codex and stuff like that, I'm like, just just imagine Pliny. Like, that's where it goes. That's where it is. All right. So, inside of the book, how is the information laid out? Like, what does it cover? Um, Okay. So, we've got pretty much, um, it's going to cover a lot. It's going to... I think we have tons of chapters. I don't even remember how many, but it was more than I could count on, I think, two hands. Or maybe less than I could count on two hands, but it's around two hands worth of, of chapters. And uh, there's stuff on history, stuff on like the different organizations. Um, we go into backgrounds on primals, um, the, the, the 12 gods, um, races, more stuff on races, because I know a lot of players are like, you know, we need to know more about, you know, the Hellsguard, or I want to know more, you know, so I can role play about the Aura. Um, You know, uh, nations, uh, like characters, we're going to have a lot of stuff on individual characters. We have these little blurbs for a lot of characters, and we want to spread them out through the things. So we can learn a lot about some of those, because we know a lot about the main characters because they have their own quests, but some of those minor characters that appear in the quest, but you never really find out about their background, we want to have a bunch of stuff in there for those. Um, and then, of course, st- stuff on, like enemies, um, clearing up some of probably a lot of your questions have <laughs> you anonymous. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's what it's going to cover. Awesome. All right, so, um, so we know what the goals are for accomplishing inside of the book. Yeah. But do you have any goals for what it's going to accomplish outside, like in the fan base? Because this is the first time we've done something like this for yeah. 14. Um, and, you know, we... You know, personally, I was just like, oh, let's just make it all hardcore. But you can't just make it all hardcore because <laughs> if you make it all hardcore, yes, you're going to get a lot of people, you know, that those hardcore, that hardcore group that's going to be, yay! But then, you know, that user that maybe just got into 14 opens up and goes, what's a Travanche? Like, what's a Nassian? And uh, so um, we wanted to have, you know, it not be something that's going to, because we're catering to everybody, no one's going to be pleased. We want everybody to be pleased. And so we're going to cater to the hardcore fans by putting in that hardcore content. But we also want to make it accessible to a lot of people. So we're going to add some stuff that, again, um, stuff that's already appeared in the game, maybe some stuff that's appeared on the Lodestone. Um, so there will be stuff that's, that's been out there that's going to be used in here. But I would say, um, just so you know, that I, it's probably around 10% of the wow. 300 pages is stuff that's already out there. Stuff that's maybe wow. copied from something in the game or copied from Lodestone that's not that people will have seen before. But I would say that 90% of it, you know, 80, 90% of it, it's going to be all new stuff. And I know that I've already started translating and man. So yeah, Um, I mean, there'll be stuff in there that's there, but, and and that's not just, um, not just text, but uh, a lot of like uh, art and stuff that we have, uh, assets that we had on our servers um, that might be showing up for the first time, at least in something that's, 
maybe it's stuff that might have been used maybe in a Famitsu or a Dengeki, but sure. it's never been used officially on the Western side. Stuff like that, you know, we're going to get that in there. So there'll be lots of new art assets and maybe graphic stuff and maybe maybe even a couple of screenshots from, from 1.0. Nice. If we can find a, a you know, one of an old computer that's been sitting in a closet that still has to build on it that can run offline. <laughs> If you could create an in-game item to be included with a lore book, what would it be? <laughs> That's actually what I wrote. I wrote. It's a mini that just laughs. <laughs> um, I'm not supposed to talk about minions that are going to be connected with the lore book. I was asked to say. But, Fair. But man, you know, art book had a minion. Right, and there are books. Is this is this, is this where we get the uh, the minecart with the the cooler and the beer that you <laughs> you talked about? <laughs> oh man, no, um, yeah. Um, if this one does well, um, yeah. do you think that you might do uh, other books? <laughs> uh, I mean, because because you're not busy enough, I'm sure uh, doing uh, this I, and, and I other all stuff. All this free time. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's not out of the question, um, but considering the amount of time that's been going into this, I mean, especially now that, um, well, this one's taken over a lot of the, the writing responsibilities and getting ready for, uh, you know, the next expansion, working on stuff. I mean, because again, things are planned way in advance. Yeah, I mean, this, working, you, gotta get, you know, you gotta get those peaches in there. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that backstory on peaches, I mean, that's a good, <laughs> at least, you know, five, six million words of, you know, we can write. <laughs> At least a ten volumes on peaches and you know no where less they than from Witcher threes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we're going to have to have like peach treants that come out. I'm sure. Like, yeah. Where they do kind of like this I mean, waving their, their head and peaches. That'll be the next fly event where you got to hit the trends and act on the peaches and <laughs> make confetti and it'll be great. So, um, yeah, I would love it if my job was just making more books because that would be awesome. But. My job is unfortunately not just making more books. <laughs> I have to do other stuff as well. I so probably maybe, have to sing at FanFest. Maybe years down the road when we've accumulated another 300 pages of unknowns? Um, I mean, I would, I would assume that, you know, when that with the expansions, lots of stuff gets introduced, lots of new um, areas and... And, uh, yeah, that all those places, again, we haven't talked about because... We haven't talked about it, but right. then when you introduce an area, you have all this new... Uh, background and so I I wouldn't think that it would take long to get another 300 pages. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right. Okay. So normally this would conclude the the uh, interview, but we actually managed to get answers to a lot of the rapid fire question recycling bin things that were disqualified from this interview. So let's just blast through them. Do it. All right. There's an area named Avalonia Fallen. Yeah. Uh, does that imply that was the name of what is now Annex Triton? Um, no, this is this is uh, pretty much that area versus city. So Avalonia was the name of that whole area. Oh, there. Very good so yeah, um, you had uh, you know the cities there and the the settlements around it, the farmlands. That was all known as Avalonia. Oh, cool. And Avalonia fell, and the city in it, uh, Annex Trine, was the main city within Avalonia, the capital of Avalonia. Um, so that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now this. Go right back to where we were. Okay. Um, Tiamat said that Midgard Zormer had come to this star. Mm. Did he come from somewhere? Is that just a fancy way of saying that's when he was made? That's a really good. That's a really good uh, question. We and thought so too. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was awesome <laughs> that you that picked that picked up on that because it's that only that one line where they ever mentioned something like that in 
But yeah, there was a reason why we wrote it that way, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> you, need, you need a minute? You need a minute? Balls. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, come to the star. In 1562, we had the Battle of Silver Tear Skies and also all the flashbacks from 1.0. Mm -hmm. um, did the Battle of Silver Tear Skies happen before or after the star shower everybody saw? Okay, um, it was immediately after. And so the star shower that that appeared in all three openings for Gridania, Ulda, and Limsa um, they're all the same star shower. It's just, you're just seeing them from different perspectives. And that one happened directly after uh, the battle uh, of Silver, Silver Tear Skies. Uh, that does not mean though that there were not multiple star showers. There were multiple star showers. Basically it's that when Eidolon wants to, when she's found somebody, it's like, okay, this guy, this guy, I need to give him the power. Star shower, <laughs> and so star showers, happen all the time um, in isolated spots. Um, it just happens that this one, the ones that we're talking about in 1.0, the ones that were in the opening cutscenes for each of them, that was the same one, and that happened right after uh, Battle of Silver Tear Skies. Again, it was in a flashback, so again, when right. you enter, it's not right after, but that's from right after. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Uh, Dulala in 3.0 hinted that um, the old alchemist guild master, which was Damieliot's father, Demelio, mm -hmm. Demelio, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, he might have invented it. Now, the son spent most of 1.0 falling in and out of a sleeping sickness. Yep, yep. Was he testing it on his own kid? No, 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 no. Okay, so basically, um, is the son was sick, and the dad was trying to cure that sickness. And while curing that sickness, he tried a lot of different combinations. And it happens that one of those combinations basically was turned into what they ended up using. It was just, a, you know, not a side effect, but it was just, you know, a byproduct. Okay. That's what the word I was looking for. Byproduct of testing on all of these things to try to bring his son back. So all the time, the dad was actually trying to help his son, which had this terrible sickness. Um, Oda-san wants to say thank you for finding this. This is Oda-san's favorite uh, quest line, and he put this in because he wanted people uh, to actually notice this, but no one noticed it. Oh, <laughs> no. But uh, he was really happy when he got this question. He's like, yes, finally, someone, vindication! <laughs> I, I always avoid asking about Demelio because it's like, I know that we saw what we saw, but we never got any answers about him, mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like it's coming back. Could it come back? Um, if, you, if it was up to Oldasan, he'd probably say yes, because he loves this arc. Um, I don't know if it's coming back or not, but yeah, he said thanks for finding it. And no, he, it wasn't the dad using him as a guinea pig. I, I'm he was glad. Trying no, to, I'm glad. for science. I'm glad it wasn't yeah. as malicious as <laughs> for his, yes. I, I bet you could sneak it in there, because it, it does. It comes up in conversation sometimes. Okay, so uh, why do Mamulsha warriors and mages look different? This has bothered me since a lot. And uh, it's because... Mamulja is not a race. Mamulja is the nation made up of multiple races. And so it's kind of like American. Huh. And so basically, and this is the same as it was in 11, and it's the same as it is now, um, that they're all from the New World, all over way in the West, and they have um, the nation of Mamulja, which is made up of multiple races. Um, 
only two that you've seen. I don't know. Um, and they come from the nation of Mumulja to this, uh, to Eurasia to work as mercenaries. Huh. And so it is a nation, and that's why they look different. They are not of the same race. They are the same nation. They're just closely related. Yeah. Ah, okay. That makes, because the Mumulja is Sahayan, remember? Yeah. They yeah. had, okay, this all makes sense now. <laughs> it's all coming together. It's all coming here. back. Uh, all right, Araman, Nagas, and floating heads, and the floating head of a very brave arm all look very similar. Uh, are they all inhabited by the same void scent entity? Okay, I'm going to read you what I got from Osan. Then Ariman, basically, they go because you you know about the possessions that mm -hmm. the that the void scent do. So Ariman goes into an animal eye and becomes an Ariman. That's why they take that shape. It's because they're they're possessing that eye of the of an animal. Um, so, what did Edda possess? A very dot 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 question mark is what oh. I have written. That's all I'm allowed <laughs> to see. So, we'll let you take it from there. Okay. Um, familiars mm -hmm. are created from regular animals. Uh, yeah. For instance, a pirogo from a frog or a scatane from an owl. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, I pronounced both of those not horribly. Uh, does taxonomy change once they've been enchanted? Um, no. Uh, they stay the same, um, and as you know, if the magic cuts, they go back, and that's why I think we have uh, the quest with the program where he's like freaking out, like, ah, like I don't want to go, I don't want to be a frog again, um, and because that's yeah, uh, that's what happens. Um, but again, they they've only they've reached the sentience because of the magic, and so it's it's the magic that's helped them. They haven't changed at all. They're the same thing. It's the magic is what's giving them ability to talk and and reason. But once that's gone, they're back to the same thing, and so that's why. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you can when you're doing your you know the beast yeah, never it's, ending. It's yeah, taxonomy does not change. Okay. Um, oh, this one I got begged to ask. So let's do that. Uh, aside from coil, what role do phoenixes have in the world? Are they just tails? Did they ever exist before? Um, this is one of those things that was uh, basically you had it's it's based in myth. Uh, it was something that a long, 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 long time ago, something existed that was like this. Whether it was just you know a very red toucan in a jungle somewhere that <laughs> decided to take flight when a guy that had an arrow in his gut, everyone thought he dead died, and he stood up because he wasn't dead and. That, Red Toucan flew off, and people, oh, it's... I'm, I'm not saying that that's what it is. That's the entire that's, basis for... <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but a very, very long time ago, um, you know, there something happened, and the uh, and that led to the, uh, the myth of the phoenix starting. Um, and then from there, it just kind of grew. Over thousands of years, it grew. And then, you know, based on... And that just, you know, spreads out to regions, lands, all over the place. Um, and then people kind of change it into something that fits their culture a little bit better um, and it takes on different forms. Some people just look at it as, you know, this story to tell uh, their children at bedtime. Some people, they connect it to something major. Some people connect it to a god. Um, and so it just takes on its own life um, from there. And uh, so Phoenix myth um, has been around not only in Eurasia, but around Idlin for a long time. It just depends on the region you go to, you're going to get a different type of story. Um, but yes, it, it has played a major role. And so we might even see different iterations uh, in the future if we go to different areas. That's what I was told to say. 
Uh, on the forums, you said that the summoning of Bahamut was basically taking a deceased entity from the life stream and putting it back together again, that something answers that beacon. Uh, does this explain why once something is captured by, say, the Ultima weapon, that it can't be summoned again? Um, yes. Um, but again, on the other hand, um, there's also, like I mentioned before a little bit with the, uh, the Phoenix, where um, depending on the culture, they all have a different perception of what the Phoenix was, whether it was just a minor thing that existed a long time ago, or was it a god, um, was it a savior, was it evil, um, that there are these different perceptions. And so, for example, um, I'm not saying that this is what it <laughs> right. actually is, but for example, you have Ifrit, um, the Amalja, look at Ifrit as, you know, this angry god that, you know, I'm going to purify the land with my flames and and they see him as this, this type of god. And so when they summon him, again, they're praying to that type of Ifrit and that Ifrit forms. Say that, you know, in the new world, thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away, there is also the legend of Ifrit. But in the thousands of years since that original seed of myth that um, he grew into like this very benevolent god that just like you know gives flowers to children <laughs> um, you know it creates the fire that roasts your marshmallows um, he is this Smart great <laughs> um, like this. that he is basically that's different now even though it's the same Ifrit it's a different essence and so in that sense the people, the tribe, or whatever in the New World would be summoning an Ifrit, but it's a different Ifrit. So those two Ifrits could exist simultaneously. But if the Amalja summoned Ifrit once, and another group of Amalja who also believe in the same Amalja that's already summoned tried to do it, they could not do it. All right. Uh, the heart of Sabiq uh, seemed very important, um, but it was never really mentioned again. Um, so is, is it out of play? Is it going to come back? It's going to come back. And it'll come back before the expansion. All right. That's it. <laughs> we will see. Nice and easy. Um, what is the origin of the Illuminati's nickname, the Blue Hand? Okay. So you already know about the Illuminati story, where they got their, you know, the original manifesto, why they believe what they believe in. It's all based on the writings uh, of, a, of an aura. And that aura had blue hair. And so basically the, the Illuminati god, goblins are basically taken... They, with their hands, taken the mind, the, the thinkings of that person and put them, grabbed them, and brought them and made them their own. And by touching the mind of that person, that aura who made the original ideas, their hands have become blue. And that's where that came from. Never would have figured it out. <laughs> they, just, they just really like Blue Man Group. And, yep. you know. <laughs> no, I saw, I saw the blue glove graffiti showing up in more and more places. And I was like, oh, I gotta ask. No, never, never would have gotten it. Nope. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Stasha Hard contains one pugil. It is, as far as I can tell, as far as I've been able to find, the only silver pugil in all of Eorzea. Just why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we tried to figure this out as well, and we could not figure it out. We think that it's probably something just like maybe when uh, they were, you know, 
they needed to populate the dungeon. Um, they put a bunch of monsters in there, and then somebody, I guess, on the playthrough started playing through, like, oh, this place is way too hard to get through, or it takes too long. Um, let's just remove some of the monsters to make it easier to get through there, and they removed all of them except for one. And so there used to be a lot. Now there's only one. He's the lone one, and, and when he's dead, he's dead. It. It's you know, <laughs> the, the end of the species. So every time you kill that silver pool, you know that you're a terrible person. <laughs> That's the end of the line. Hullbreaker should just have one cool <laughs> Okay, um, Bismarck. The legend appears in both Vanu Vanu and Seawolf mythology. How do both of them know about it? How old is this story? Um, it is very old. Um, and it kind of, you know, again, falls back to the, what I was talking about with Phoenix again, is that you have, again, this one seed that became, you know, um, the story in a lot of different places. There are similarities, but depending on, you know, where you see it, um, it's different. Some places Bismarck is in the ocean, some place Bismarck is in the sea. Yeah. Um, yeah, he might, uh, he might show up again soon in some place. Something beautiful that's hand drawn and yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. Else. I'm not gonna say anything else. They're gonna kill me for that. They're gonna kill me for that. But yeah. Um, an easier one. Uh, as of am to pour hard, have the lambs of Dalamud effectively been destroyed? Lambs of Dalamud, my boys. Um, <laughs> they have not, and I even uh, well. They had until I said, oh, that's not, no, they haven't had that. He's like, oh, okay, if you're going to write a quest, I'm like, I'll write a quest. Um, and he's like, okay, expansion, let's do something with them. Nice. So, and I already started to think what I'm going to do with them. I have a great story. Cool. So we're going to have, they're going to return. The lambs will never die. Nice. I'm going to get like a t-shirt. The lambs will never die. <laughs> Um, so on the, the big Eorzean map that's been around since 1.0, um, in the corner there's these like 14 little small flags. Um, are they just filler or like do they have meaning? What are they? Um, yeah. Um, so basically, um, you know, when Mr. Ironheart went out, um, you know, on his journey to, you know, map the realm, um, he, he didn't do it alone. I mean, he did do it alone, but he needed funding. Uh, because again something like that is a great undertaking and so basically um, in addition to you know the large uh, city-states um, which he got the approval from he went and um, basically contacted a lot of guilds a lot of lesser houses um, people that had money people that would sponsor him uh, on this and those little markers are the markers of certain uh, houses uh, banks, um, places that funded him, and you know, because they funded him, they got a little spot on his map. Cool. Yeah. I've always wondered what those were. <laughs> was that it? Yeah, was it? All right. All right. So that is it. Uh, thank you so much for answering all those questions. I know, I know, Anonymous has had some of those for for quite a while now. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> pushed aside interview after interview. It's like, well, one of these days we'll get to them. And, and now they're gone. Do we have Do we have any any more that are, are over? Yeah. Oh. Five or six. Oh, five or six. Them. Okay, yeah. so we we knocked most of them yeah. out. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, so th getting harder yeah. to come up with questions too. Oh man, that lore, that lore book's popular. gonna kill us. Lore's more popular. <laughs> or maybe the lore book will just give Plus us even more questions. Fleshed out minion guides. Well, I mean, we also know that like if we don't flesh this out, there're gonna be you know questions coming. So we just have to put as much information in as possible so there we don't go. get these questions. Yeah, next interview, like, hey, so what happened to? Oh, hey, here's the book. Yeah, just it's in here, chapter three. It's in the book. I'm gonna have to read the whole book before the next. Oh, I'm sure man. it's not all in there. I don't think it's gonna be. 
it won't all be in there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, again, um, because we want to make it, you know, accessible by everybody. We're not going to go, you know, too deep yeah. in some places because that just might put people off. So there'll, you know, there'll still be room for. It. I think the lore book, if anything, will open up a lot more questions because it will get you a taste of some stuff, and you'll be like, <gasps> okay, so that's that. How is this this? And yeah. I can already see you getting a copy of the book and like getting like a highlighter and like okay, so okay, there's no, post-it notes no. and okay, this goes. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Koji. It was great having you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, if you guys have any questions for for us, uh, you know, throw us an email, radio at gamerscape.com. And, you know, maybe if we get another lore cast out sometime in the next, uh, you know, year or something, it's been a while. But uh, thanks for tuning in and uh, make sure to check out the uh, PAX East panel for uh, some more Q&A. And uh, we'll see you next time.